0: Welcome to the CLB Forge Podcast, brought to you by CLB North American Mission. This is a show to help equip you and your church for mission, ministry, and multiplying disciples. Welcome to episode one thirteen. I'm Ryan Nilsson
1: and I'm Mike Natal. We are your hosts, and this is part six of our teamwork series. Teamwork series is all about how we can forge the tools, the skills, the methods of work, the healthy culture and attitude that we need to work together in our churches. And today's topic we are going to be talking about empowering leaders. And that seems like it's pretty important to be able to empower people to take charge.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's a it's a huge growth point for our churches too. If you don't empower other leaders, your church isn't going to be healthy. It can't grow. It can't be very resilient and it will have difficulty adapting to all the changes that come along.
1: I agree. Leaders are super important if for nothing else, for individuals who will take the initiative to get stuff done without needing to be actively and constantly prompted in order to do it. And so to have people like that in your church is a huge blessing. People who will take the initiative in order to get stuff completed, done, even started, you know, yeah. that's, that's another important one too. So absolutely, then that all really starts with making sure that we are building and empowering them to feel like, and to know with confidence that we trust in their decision-making and how they go about handling situations. Mm-hmm. And so Ryan, you came up with, let me just quickly look four different bullet points that go along with empowering leaders. And so our first one is prepare new leaders. You want to tell us a little bit more about preparing new leaders?
0: So this work of empowering leaders doesn't happen on accident. Nothing that we talk about on the show really does, right? All the, all the good stuff takes some work. And one thing that we need to do is prepare new leaders, prepare for new leaders. And so one of the things that we can do is to Have a clear pathway for people to identify their gifts. So you can have a class or have them go through their books and all kinds of resources for helping people understand their spiritual gifts, their personalities, their abilities, and match them with ministry opportunities in the church. Not so that you're you're filling all the vacancies in your church organization, but so that you are helping people serve where God's gifted them. That's something that's really helpful. And the last thing, you know, in terms of preparing new leaders is is to actually take the time to recruit new leaders. So recruiting people one-on-one for roles like this is, is really effective and important that, you know, there's a saying, beware those who volunteer for leadership. If you just put out a blanket invite, hey, if anybody wants to be a leader of this or that, let me know. The people that you need to lead those types of ministries probably aren't going to respond to a blanket request like that that's made from the pulpit or in the bulletin. They're going to respond to a personal invitation to join leadership circles in the church. And often a great place for the to do that is in some kind of supporting role on a team as a co-leader of something else so that they have a chance to learn some leadership skills and how your church operates so that you can prepare them for future leadership roles.
1: More info on that would be for our listeners to go back and check out episode 85. That's the episode where you, Ryan and Luke interview Jonathan McKee. And you guys talk about building and nurturing volunteers. Yeah. Good call. That was a great one. That's a great episode that I constantly go back to because I need that constant reminder because oftentimes the easy way to do stuff is to announce stuff from the pulpit and then complain that no one's volunteering, which, yeah, This guy does all the time. (laughs) I do that all the time. I'm like, why don't people volunteer? And then I go back and I get convicted and I listen to Jonathan McKee's message. And then I ask people privately and guess what happens?
0: They say yes. They say yes.
1: (laughs) Because you're taking time to invest in those people. You're telling them like, this also reminds me of episode 103 with Sabrina, where Sabrina talked about how she's really good at Getting volunteers because she goes up to them personally and she tells them how their skill set would work within the framework of what she's asking them to volunteer for. So, those are two great episodes. Like, if you're feeling convicted by this first point, go back and listen to episode 85 and listen to episode 103 as well. Both of those individuals talk about how it's important to ask privately and personally for people to lead. It makes it so that they can't count themselves out because sometimes when people, oh, I'm looking for this volunteer to do this, even if the person has the skill set, they might still be able to convince themselves out of it by saying, no, that's not me. Or I don't want to get in anybody else's way. Maybe they have another plan. But if you ask them personally and you say, hey, you have the skills in order to do X, Y, Z, would you be willing to do this? Yeah. They are absolutely. more apt to say yes. Okay, let's go on to
0: number two, which
1: is guide your leaders.
0: Now, we did not say micromanage your leaders. Guide your leaders. So you want to be around to provide guidelines, expectations up front, and you want to be able to support and advise them as they go without micromanaging them. And so the way you do that is you provide a clear purpose for what they're doing. You provide clear vision for why it matters to the church. You also can help by making sure your church has clear vision and values, but let leaders make... Decision. So give them real responsibility, give them real authority. Make sure that you're giving them decision making power over how they're going to carry out the role or the ministry that you've entrusted to them. Micromanaging would be to tell them, hey, I want you to be the leader of this, and here's exactly how you're supposed to do it. And you've already pre made all their decisions. You're not giving them leadership. You're just, you've made them a drone, or that's how it would feel. And so leaders need to have freedom in some of the decisions that they're making. But also, you need to be clear if there are any boundaries or guidelines, expectations about how things are to be done, things you don't want them to do. You give those in advance. As they're going to, you want to have check-ins. You want to be clear for a lot of staff roles. You would be checking in with them on a weekly basis. For volunteers, it might be less often. It might be frequently at the beginning, and it might be less often as you go. It might be a check-in once a month or something, quick phone call or standing meeting. Sometimes it might be even less often, just depending on what's going on with that area of ministry. But have, have regular touch points where you guys are connecting and you're able to follow up with how things are going in that ministry. Are there any obstacles, barriers you can help remove for them? Any challenges they're facing? What's being accomplished? What are they excited about?
1: Nice second bullet point for us, Ryan, and guide your leaders, making sure once again, we are not micromanaging them, which can be not only exhausting for your leaders, but it can be exhausting for you too. Yeah. If you feel the need to have to micromanage people, that is going to take up a lot of your time where... I can almost guarantee that you can spend your time better than trying to micromanage people, but you also have Mm -hmm. to be aware. And that's where I think the importance of having regular meetings with these individuals to kind of help them to stay on track. That's not micromanagement. That's more encouragement Mm -hmm. is what I would call that. And so I think another important aspect also is knowing the skill set of the individual that you are empowering to lead because certain people might be able to just take what you're asking them, and fabricate it. Boom. Just like that. They're able to put it together in a well thought out, concise effort that you might not have to check up on. And you might just need to encourage Mm -hmm. while some other people might need a little bit more, a little bit more hands-on, if you will. And don't think about that as micromanagement. Just think about that as a different personality characteristic of certain individuals. We're all made different, but that's just a part of life.
0: As people are getting started in ministry leadership roles too, you may have to be more directly involved up front, helping give them more guidance, more direction, more check ins, and that can ease off over time. Depending on their skill set, personality, the working relationship you have. Absolutely.
1: Rock and roll. So two things that we've gone through so far are prepare new leaders, guide new leaders. We are halfway from being home. We are nice. Number three is care for your leaders. So Ryan, what are some important ways that we can care for our leaders?
0: So one thing that I wanted to mention that may not feel like care, having a clear picture of your church's structure. So like organize your church structure so people know who they're accountable to. And so we might think of these as lines of authority or lines of accountability. You know, in a church setting, we are all accountable to someone else. The elders are accountable to the congregation. The pastor's accountable to the elders. Ministry leaders are accountable to the pastor. And the congregation submits themselves to the care and authority of the pastor and elders. Right. So everyone's under authority to someone else. But sometimes leaders and ministries get left out of that loop. We don't want them to be. So you want to have an an org chart for your church, an organization chart, that, that shows which ministries are accountable to who. And that explains who people are accountable to. That also shows who's responsible for supporting you if you have questions you run into problems you need advice that person would be one of the first people you go to it also tells leaders these are the other leaders we've entrusted to your care and support and part of your role is to serve and support these people that are under your care and so getting that all clear is really really important in caring for your leaders otherwise leaders will get forgotten ignored and a number of bad things can happen one is they'll struggle not know who they can turn to for help, and they'll quit, or they'll burn out. Another thing is that ministry silos can be created. If they think that they're not accountable to anybody, they'll just do whatever they want, or they could. And they will start off on a ministry path that might be completely divergent from where the rest of your church is going. So being clear about those lines of communication and authority is really important because it shows everybody who's responsible for caring for which ministry leaders. You don't want to have too many people reporting to one person. You you don't want to overload one or two people. You know, the exact number, I'm not sure what's a good number or not, but... Isn't three the magic number? I think that's a good number, especially for a volunteer. That'd be a good number. If you have a volunteer that's going to be overseeing people. For paid staff, you might be able to go a little bit more than that. But, you know, watch out. You don't want to have too many, what you call direct reports coming into the same person. So other things you can do for care... Meetings are a place where you can provide care. I think it's also important, though, that you have ways to build relationship with the leaders that you support and serve. The leaders that are under your care. So that might be if you have a bunch of volunteers that you're responsible for. It might mean a, a Saturday morning meal together, where you just have time to connect and talk about life, and maybe get some of your ministry work done at the same time. It might mean having a, a party at Christmas time with those leaders. But kind of doing life outside of the the specific roles and responsibilities of your area of ministry can be really life-giving to your team of leaders.
1: Yeah, that's important. I remember at the beginning of this year for us, one of the things that we did was we had a elder and spouse dinner all together at the church. We just called up a local catering place. We ordered a couple dishes and we just had elders and spouses come out and it was just great. It was a really good time to connect, but not talk about business to just like get to know each other. And that's what we really have to realize is that like church functions better when we realize that we're a community as opposed to just individuals who are coming to worship at a similar location. You know, when we when we do ministry together, there's a certain involvement, a wanting to hang out with other people and get to know them you know yeah. so I, yeah. and i think that that's important it paid off a lot for us which was good to just have that especially because directly after that we went into a very difficult season uh not so much as a church but each individual elder of our church after that had something significant happen in their life that really i don't want to say hindered us from having meetings, but it definitely slowed down our meetings together because there was always at least one elder that had something going on when we were trying to schedule meetings together. And so having something like that, a community builder allowed us to constantly revisit that, you know, kind of like when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt, it was something that he constantly pointed back to, to be like, Hey, remember the faithfulness? I know that things are bad now, but here's a faithfulness. And I think that that's the same thing that it does with leadership yeah. too. You know, when you have external things other than just the everyday ins and outs of what needs to go on at a church and that stuff does still have to happen, it gets mundane and it definitely breeds like a snore, if you will. So
0: a couple wrap up things here that we should really make sure we mention in this pray for your leaders. I keep a, a list of leaders in my devotional book so that I can pray for them. So pray for them. And periodically, you may want to tell them that. Hey, I just want you to know I'm I'm praying for you. I pray for you regularly. Nice. Thank them. Thank them publicly. Send them a note. Nobody gets notes anymore, written notes. And give them credit publicly before your church. Don't accidentally take all the credit and act like you're the hero of the church. Give credit to the people who are doing the work, the leaders on your team.
1: All right. Three quarters of the way through. Just to recap, prepare new leaders guide your leaders, care for your leaders, and now the fourth and final one is and maybe I would consider to be this is one of the most important ones too. Oh. But then again, okay. all of them are really important, but but this one will help with the longevity
0: of leadership, which is really important. Let's hear it. To make
1: room for a
0: new leaders. This is challenging and it it sounds obvious, but it can be really challenging to do this. So, make room for new leaders in your leadership team it can be really easy to get into a ministry leadership rut where you have the same people serving in the same positions for years and years and years so make room for new leaders and there's a couple ways that you can do this so one is step aside for new leaders you can encourage people to serve for limited durations and to consider whether or not it's time to step aside and hand a baton off to somebody else Really, it is hard unless you structure in times to reflect on when someone should be done. It can be hard to help other people do that. But if you're a leader and you're listening, it's good for you to think, hey, you know what? Is it time for me to pass this baton to somebody else? If you're just not excited about it anymore, or you felt like you've taken that ministry as far as you can, and you see somebody that's kind of you've raised up in your area of ministry that could do this almost as well as you could. Maybe it's time to hand off the leadership of this to them and, and kind of help prepare them for it and, and pass it off to them in a season of transition. Again, it's it can be challenging to do that externally with other people. But if you're in that seat, think about how you could empower other people to do that. Unfortunately, that is very difficult for a lot of people. It becomes a really sensitive heart issue. And it's not always possible to encourage people to do that, to share ministry leadership opportunities with other people in the church. Sometimes people will really wrap up their identity as a Christian in a particular area of ministry that they serve in. And the thought of not doing that really leaves them at a loss. And while you're working to help people give each other turns in leadership roles, another thing you can do to make room for new leaders is to create new areas of ministry, to create new ministries and new teams. And I've seen that this is the most effective way to engage new people in your church, to help get them into leadership roles, and also to help them assimilate, like to help them stay and feel connected, is to bring them into leadership in new parts of the church. You know, so when I've started new ministries, I've staffed them with new people, new attendees. You see people with leadership skills, they're new to the church, you recruit them into certain leadership roles. And I've, I've seen whole groups of new leaders, new attendees take ownership in the church because we created new areas of ministry. One thing you have to watch for is sometimes well-meaning people that have been a part of the church long for a long, long time. When they see a new area of ministry start up and they see somebody new leading it, they may with good intentions, like walk all over that person and say, oh, let me come and help you and show you how, how we do things here and take over for that person. And there's this kind of well-meaning trap that those who have been at the church longer know the way things are done and know pitfalls to avoid. And they can actually rob people of leadership experiences out of good intentions. So it's important to coach your established leaders when you're bringing in new leaders. Give people room to grow and lead. You know, there's a rule of thumb. I think we've shared on the show before, like if someone can do a job 75% as well as you can, you should delegate it to them.
1: All right. Well, that is a wrap. Let's go over the four one more time on empowering leaders. So we talked about prepare new leaders. Second one, guide your leaders. Third one, care for your leaders. And then the fourth and final one is make room for new leaders. Brian, I think this one was very insightful. It'll be very helpful for our listeners. And I hope you would agree with that listeners. Uh, Thank you for tuning in today. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get a notification when a new one drops. And we'd love it if you'd share this podcast with a friend or a colleague. We thank you so much for listening. We will catch you next time.
0: This has been an episode of the CLB Forge podcast brought to you by CLB North American Mission. Thanks for listening. We welcome your questions and comments. Email us at podcast at clbforge.org.